Welcome to the MuseCast, where we squeeze every last drop of inspiration out of Sunday's sermon. Not as good when it's just me. <laughs> My name is Dan Kent. This is the MuseCast. Hello, everybody. Uh, it's it's a solo show today. Uh, unfortunately, Shauna's feeling under the weather, so she'll be back next week, uh, I hope. And uh, so we're going to go with just me and you and, uh, and a really great sermon by Greg. So... Uh, he uh, preached out of uh, Revelation chapter 2, and he's looking at the church at Pergamum. And Jesus says to the church at Pergamum, you can find this in chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Uh, Jesus says to the angel of the church in Pergamum, again, this is there's there are spiritual dimensions involved here with these gatherings. Jesus says, these are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city, where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I... So he's he's saying, hey, good job. You, You have stayed true to your faith. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites into sin, so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to those who are victorious. I will give you some of the hidden manna. I will also give each of you a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. And so that's the passage. That's the the, Jesus's message to uh, Pergamum, the church at Pergamum. And uh, there's a lot of different potential directions Greg could have gone with that. We've already been kind of in this church for a while, and he's looked at the spiritual dimensions of everything. And last week, we kind of looked at the corporate dimensions going on here. You've got the synagogue of Satan, you've got these churches, and just how evil and goodness both sort of flourish collectively in these relationships. And this week, what Greg wanted to do is uh, to look at something very different. And he, he, he came down and he focused on this last part of the message from Jesus, which talks about this white stone that everybody would receive who were victorious. And on this stone, you, you would see a name that was given just to you that was known only to you and to God. And what Greg really focuses on here is it's true that we have this uh, this corporate nature where where we are part of the body of Christ and we are part of the big church and we're also part of our local church community and there are different levels of usness and there are different categories of togetherness and and there's a lot of power that that we experience in those collectives and uh, and those are very important. However, That's not all there is. God also ultimately uh, desires a very individual sort of relationship with each of us. And, um, And so 
the the white stone in Pergamum sort of brings uh, our attention from everything that's general and collective to uh, what's very special about each of us, uh, the individual, and God's desire to have this intimacy with each of us. And so on this white stone, uh, we will have this, which is basically an invitation for us to this celebration, to this kingdom of God, basically. And on our invitation, there will be a special name that's that's just between us and God. And that God, that, that name... In, in, in how I understand that is um, it really reveals this intimacy that God desires with us. And um, and so even though the reality of our usness is very real and important and powerful, uh, we also have to uh, remember the the importance of us as individuals as well. We matter individually as well. And, you know, I think Greg was right, too, in the sermon when he talked about how, you know, we all have this impulse for uh, individual kind of, uh, you know, importance and our, our individual purpose. And uh, we want our our individual selves to mean something, not just the collective cell that we're, the, the collective whole that we're a part of, but uh, individuals as well. And you see this impulse, uh, you know, in people all over, uh, as, you know, social media is basically, <laughs> look at me, look at me, look at me. And and that's that same impulse that comes from us when we were kids. We you know, look at me and, and we want validation that that we matter, that we're important individually. Uh and and um and that's not a bad thing. That's that's God made us that way because we we do matter individually to God, and God wants us, I think, to pursue those impulses so that we can come to find rest in God's uh unsurpassable individual love in each of us. And uh, the white stone is sort of this really great image that kind of uh, uh, captures the personal invitation with not just your name, which is by itself pretty personal, but even more intimate than that is this special name that God gives just to you that only he uses uh, with you. And, uh, and and I just think that that is, is really, um, really cool. What a great, great image. And that individual attention from God, uh, there's nothing like that. I mean, that, that, uh, you know, the, I, I've always been drawn and I'm already jumping ahead to analysis here, but I've always been captured by this idea that you know, when we meet God, uh, there's this dream of this, this kind of uh, goal, this this like this scene where God says, "Well done, good and faithful servant." And there's like nothing else that could surpass that in how glorious that would feel to to just know that you you did well, given your situation and given everything you did well. And that type of individual attention, um, what a precious thing. You can't, you can't buy that. You can only, uh, you can only encounter that after a life of seeking God. And, and, uh, and I, and I think those impulses that we have are meant to drive us toward that scene. They're meant to drive us toward that uh, intimate relationship with God. And uh, Greg, you know, shared a great story of how he was fed as a, as a boy in uh, his 
personal interactions with his dad. And uh, that, that really captured um, just how special that was, even though the, the activities that they were doing uh, were a little dysfunctional. Uh, but even then, that, that personal attention is, is such a good thing, and it develops such profound intimacy. Greg then talked about how, uh, you know, conceptually it can be a little tricky to imagine that when you look at all the people in the world and you look how big the universe is and this idea that the God who created all of this would really care about one single person, uh, it, it can feel a little absurd. And so Greg uh, just pushed back on that, saying that no, when when you have when you are an infinite God, when you are ontologically other, when you are the ground of all being, when you are the ground of everything that exists, your your greatness, your your whatever it is that you have, if you are love, that love must be um, uh, the ground of all love. It must be this infinite love. And so, whereas when when we love, we can only really have attention for a few people, really. And I think for the human mind, I think it can focus on like four to seven bits of information at a time uh, because we have very finite minds and our love is very similar that way. We we only have so much love that that we can give and 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 uh, it can uh, we can be spread uh, thin a lot easier than God can. God with His infinite love. Y- if you cut infinity in half, you still have infinity, and that, so there's there there is no end, there is no uh, limit to his his love, and so what that means is that God can uh, love each of us with this infinite, unsurpassable love, um, and it doesn't take away from his love of everything else. It's the same love. It's that that other oriented, affectionate. Um, kind of delight that he has uh and that's and and we can also have that delight and that affection and that other oriented focus on others it's just that qualitatively because of god's infinity uh he has a a much greater capacity for it than than we do Uh, and then greg talked about how that love for uh that that we have that god is calling us into it's basically the love of the trinity it's it's this perichoretic kind of love perichoresis is this word where it's like this mutual indwelling where when when you have three uh beings the three parts or the three persons of the trinity all loving each other with this other oriented self-sacrificial uh kind of uh kind of what would you say it like um well we we sometimes we say choice-based love uh but i would say like intentional love would be another way to say it it's interesting because it's other oriented and yet each of those people, because they're in that other-oriented relationship, actually have uh, more beings who care for them. So if you're self-interested, if you're self-caring, you have one person who cares for you. In this perichoretic love relationship, you have two uh, beings who care for you. You've got you know the other two parts of the Trinity. And so it's that type of kind of powerful kind of love that 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 God is calling us into and and just that profound uh kind of uh uh experience of uh intimate love and and that changes us and and we we become unified with the other when we enter into that type of relationship and Greg uh shared the example of marriages where you know when 
in a healthy marriage and in a good relationship that is thriving and and in a relationship where there is this other oriented love uh toward your spouse it starts to reframe how you think about everything in your life and 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 i think greg is right i, I he he shared an example of how when he's thinking of things he's thinking it through uh, through the lens of a conversation with his wife. And I, I feel like I've done that also where I think, well, how would Barbara respond to this? And what would Barbara think about this? And, and even as, you know, doing writing, I often think about Barbara reading it. And so uh, I think that that is exactly right. It just changes who we are and, and it's, it could be a beautiful thing. Um, now he uses this marriage analogy but I can also testify that I felt this way with friends as well. And you can have very intimate relationship with friends uh, where the same thing happens. And um, and I've, I've experienced that. And so this isn't like a anti-singleness kind of uh, message. It was just that was the example that that came to Greg's mind. And I think he's right about that. So how do you cultivate this uh, level of intimacy? Um and he gives us three sort of uh, kind of important things that we need to think about as we're trying to cultivate this intimacy with God. The first thing is we have to be honest with God. And, and um, in order to be known in a meaningful way, you have to be known as you really are. And, you know, we we have uh, pressure in life to put on airs, to to present ourselves to the world in certain ways. And uh, and some of those uh, ways that we do that are tactical. You know, we even, you know, if we're depressed and we're working with kids, we, we need to put on a game face. We need to, you know, you know, be positive around the kids and stuff like that. And so, but that's not who we really are. And so, and there's all sorts of things like that, where we present ourselves for various reasons in ways that we're not really like. And, uh, and, and sometimes maybe we have to do that. I think the example of working with kids might be an example of that. Uh, if you're working with kids and you're devastated about something, maybe it's not right to show that devastation to the kids. Um, and so there might be good reasons for those things, except in order to be really known, you need to be in relationships where you can really truly be yourself. And uh, especially, especially in our relationship with God. Uh, and then number two is uh, in order to cultivate this intimacy with God, beyond being honest about with God about who we really are, we also have to trust who God really is. We have to trust that God really is this loving uh being who cares so much for us as demonstrated by Christ on the cross. Uh, we have to trust that God really is that loving and he really does have that love for us as we are, even though he's calling us to something better. And then the number three thing is we uh, need to kind of surrender ourselves. And once we've made that decision that, yeah, okay, God really is this way. And I want this intimacy with God. Well, we need to surrender to it. We need to say, okay, I trust God. And that, that doesn't mean that we never have doubts again. It just means that our doubts uh, happen within the context of this commitment that I've, I've made. And, um, and, and we can start to surrender to that, uh, and, and to live into that reality that I have this intimate relationship with God. And, uh, and, and we can do that with our imagination. Greg has talked a lot about this and just, um, 
you know, imagining Christ with us uh, in the way that he's presented in the gospel and that same loving, joyful, delightful character that he's presented in the gospel and, and imagine that Jesus with us as we go throughout our day. And this isn't like fantasy land stuff because the scriptures tell us that Christ is with us. It's just that we don't uh, live as if he is. And so by tapping into our imagination, we can tap into, even though it's our imagination, we're actually tapping into the truth that uh, that he really is here. And we can live uh, in in light of that truth. So that's my sermary. Um, I just, I, I love this sermon. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, a couple of things. I mean, I just, just this, this, the, the fact that we are called to do this and we have these impulses even as little kids to to be affirmed in this sort of individual way it's one of those kind of things that it's too deeply brilliant in my mind to be contrived like the fact that this all just taps into such a core thing without actually explicitly talking about that core thing in you know in childhood and, and so forth and yet it still taps into that it's uh it's peculiar peculiarly uh compelling is what i would say that's really hard to say peculiarly compelling <laughs> uh the other thing is um you know, it really kind of brings me back to uh, sort of something that was really important to me about, I think it was like a year and a half ago. Uh, it was toward the tail end of the Sermon on the Mount series. And I did a sermon called The Path is a Person. And I'll share a link in the show notes. Let's see, where would it be over here? The, no, the show notes are down there. Duh. I don't know why. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll share a link in the show notes. But uh, in that sermon, I, I looked at the two ways tradition that you see in the scriptures and uh, starting with the Garden of Eden, where uh, God gives Adam and Eve a choice between the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you have these two ways. And then uh, throughout the rest of the Old Testament, you have uh, God saying to the Israelites through Moses and through the prophets, I have placed before you life and death blessings and curses. Uh, and then the Qumran community talks about, uh, you know, light and darkness. And, um, uh, and, and so the, the Christian community sort of was sort of called the way it was the way of this light, the way of this truth. Uh, and, um, and it's fascinating because then Jesus kind of gathers all of that two ways tradition up into himself. And he says, I am the way I am the truth. I am the life. And uh, in other words, this the the way is a personal relationship. So then later on, when when he warns uh, the people who are listening to him, he said, "Look, some of you are doing really great things, but there are some of you who, even though you're doing these great things, when we encounter each other, I will say, I never knew you." And that's a very scary warning, uh, but. It just also shows us that what God really wants is he wants this intimate relationship with us. The, the path that we are following is not an intellectual path. It, it's it, it, The way is a person. The way is not just about theology and light. The way is a person. Uh, the way is not just about making prudent choices, doing miracles, doing ministry, feeding the poor. Those are all great things, but those are all part of uh 
this relationship with a personal being, a personal God who loves us very much. And so I think that um, the more we can live toward that, uh, and it's hard for me, and I shared this in my sermon, it's hard for me because I don't naturally sense God's presence. Um, I, I really do need to rely on my imagination, and I really do need to um, sometimes check my heart about some of these things because um, in all honesty, God seems very distant to me, and and I have to work really hard to live into the reality of God's presence. Uh, but I I believe that it's true, and uh, and so I do that uh, with joy and with hope, and um, and I think that that's uh, what God is is calling us to as well. Uh, you know that that's sort of uh, what I have. Oh, there was a question that was asked. Um, people were t were, were talking about. Uh, you know, Greg had mentioned the teaching of Balaam and um, asking if that was related to, uh, I think it's Numbers 22 or something like that in the Old Testament. And I think that there is a, a reference back to that. I think in a couple weeks, we're going to have uh, a sermon. I don't know if it's a couple weeks. Pretty soon, we're going to have a sermon by Jeremy Duncan, and he's going to kind of unpack the relationship between uh, the the Bilal or Balaam stuff, the Balak stuff, and uh, Jezebel and the Nicolaitans. Uh, and he does a really good job of kind of talking about the relationship there. So I'm going to kick that can down the road. Um I guess the only other thing I would say is, and this will, will be my my nugget, and this is also really dumb doing the nugget dance. You know, uh, Billy Idol had this song called Dancing With Myself, and, and I was a big Billy Idol fan, and I never thought that that song was prophetic, but I guess it was, and here I am doing the nugget dance by myself, and it's it's sad, really. It's It's really, really sad. But I guess my nugget would be, this is that um we i think you know our 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 theology our bible studies our memorizing verses our uh prayer time our ministry our helping the poor all of those things they're they were not meant to be an end in themselves they were they were always meant to be a means to an end they were meant to move us into a relationship with a personal being where we are just with and we can experience that love and we can experience that togetherness with God. And um and it can be really easy to and I, I'm 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 confessing this from personal experience. It can be really easy to fall into uh just intellectualism, to just fall into figuring things out and solving intellectual problems. And it can be so easy to be trapped there and to just be stuck there, to never get outside of that cognitive circle and 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 to never just dwell with God and to be with God. And um and that's a trap that that uh, is very alluring to uh, many, including me. And uh and so this idea that no God God values those things, but those are a means to an end. Those are meant to get you to the point where uh, he can um, he can just be with you, and and you can experience his love. And so this idea of receiving this special invitation, uh, 
yeah, I want that. I want that special invitation. I want the white stone and I want that name. I want that that special name that God has for me. And, and just the idea that God has this special name for me, it means that he knows me so well that he can come up with such a great name. You know, Barbara and I, we have all sorts of pet names for each other and, and, and it's based on things that we know about each other and it makes it really fun to <laughs> come up with these nicknames for one another. And the idea that God knows me so much that he can come up with a name like that, that's just so perfect for me, uh, it, it means that God cares. God loves me enough to know me. It also means that God understands. And uh, God loved me even when I was at my worst uh, and he understood me even when I was at my worst. He says this in, in Romans 6, that he loved us while we were still sinners. And... And so he understands where we're coming from, but he also understands what we really, truly long for, what we really, truly want. And what we really want is that intimate kind of a special attention from God, from our father or mother, as Greg uh, likes to say for himself. And um, I just think that, that that's a beautiful thing. And uh, it's amazing how motivating a little white rock can be. <laughs> Yes, you know, there's so many white rocks all around. It's but this is really motivating because I want that. I want that uh, special invitation, and I want that intimacy with God, where He has a a special name for me. And for me, man, I want to do. I want to continue to 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 work toward that. As the Apostle Paul says, this is this is what he's toiling for. This is what he's working toward is that, is that type of intimacy with God. Uh, and, and I want that too. And uh, I hope you do as well. And I'm sure you do. So, uh, hey, thanks for uh, hanging out with, with me. I know it was soulless, very different, a lot less energy and a lot less... Uh, charisma and just a just a, a sort of it's like flat soda you know you can still tell you can still tell it's root beer but it's it, it tastes kind of funny without without shauna here but i appreciate you hanging out with me and hopefully shauna will feel better be back with us next week uh see ya see you later now